Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys from a different angle this morning. <clears throat> I want to say just from the, from the get-go that I'm fully supportive of Drew, and I'm fully supportive of the elder selection of him. I think he's doing a great job already, and I want to just encourage you all to wrap your arms around him. Kim and I know firsthand what it means to live in a place without family and travel a long ways to take a new job. And, and you guys did such a great job welcoming us almost four years ago. And so I just call you all to do the same and love on them and encourage them and make them feel like uh, family because we are family. And we're, and we're gonna talk more about what that means this morning. But um, I'm just thankful for Drew and Chrissy and, and their little baby and one on the way. So they must be drinking the water at Desert Springs. They got these babies coming out everywhere. So that's just how we are. It's a good thing too. be fruitful and multiply. So um, we're going to talk this morning about being a community of confession. And so if you have your Bible, open up to John chapter three. If you don't have your Bible, uh, there's some on the banisters back here, a few left, but get in the habit of bringing your Bible to church. And if you don't have one, take one of those. It's our gift to you. Um, but it's good to be able to flip through your own Bible and find out where things are. Hit the table of contents if you need to, you know. And uh, so bring your Bible to church. John chapter 3, it's the fourth book in the New Testament. <clears throat> and we're going to start at verse 19. But before we do that, why don't we pray? God, I pray you would open our eyes this morning that you would... Um, help us to see the great truths in your word and all that's implied there for our lives, that you'd help me to communicate um, and be faithful to your word. Lord, I need your help. We need your help together. So may this word this morning um, enliven us, change us, make us more into your image. We know that's your will for us. So may, uh, may it be so. We ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right. John 3, 19, 20, and 21. It says this. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But everyone who does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. <clears throat> this message this morning is about the health of the church. This message this morning is about the church living out what it means to be a gospel-centered community together. This message this morning is about taking Christian community very seriously. And this message that I'm going to give this morning, asks us to test together whether we really believe the gospel or not. So there's much at stake this morning. So let's dive in. I want to walk through this text a bit, and then we're going to draw out a couple of really significant implications for us. So verse 19, John says that light has come into the world. And this is not the first time that John has talked about light in his gospel. So flip back to chapter one, probably just a page or two in your Bible. And let's see how John talks about light. 
chapter one, verses four and five. John writes, in him, Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So it sounds kind of similar, similar to what we read in, in chapter three, right? So Jesus is the light and he's come to shine. His agenda is to shine into all the world. And, and some people are going to love his light and his shining. And some people are not going to recognize him as the light. So how do we know this? Well, a few verses later, John tells us why this is the case. Look at verse nine of chapter one. He says, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was not in the world, and the world was made through him. Oh, I'm sorry. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. So that gives us the reason. Flip back now to John three, nineteen. So in our text, John 3, 19, John tells us the same thing, but with a bit more information. He gives us the reason why they did not receive him. What's it say? Let's review it again. And people loved the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. So why did they not receive him? Why did they not come to the light? Why did they not receive him as Jesus, King Jesus? They did not receive him and love him because their works were evil. And this drove them to fear. See that in the text? Their works were evil, end of 19. And they had fear, lest, it says, lest his works should be exposed. They don't want to be exposed. They don't want to have that light of God's holiness shine on their lives because what? They knew there's a problem there. They recognize there's a cosmic tension between God's holiness here and my sin and my darkness and my evil. And that's not something I want to embrace. That's not something I want to confront. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to turn the other way. I'm going to run. I'm not going to embrace this light because there's a deep, deep problem here. And so... Um, Romans 1 talks about this, how people just suppress the truth in their ungodliness. They know that God's there. They're without excuse. It's very clear in creation that there is a God. And, and, but all that tells us is he's probably holy and I know I'm not, so I'm just going to suppress it. Just enough information just to hate it and suppress it. So instead of casting themselves on the mercy of God like Christians have to do, and believing that Jesus' sacrifice is sufficient. He's the one who bears wrath on our behalf. We just suppress it. No, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I'm just going to suppress it. And I'm just going to love and soak and sit in my evil and my darkness. That's what the text is saying. I, I, I confronted a, a, an example of this when I lived in Nashville. I, I worked as a, as a waiter waiting tables while, while I was a musician and, you know, not having a ton of income from music. So I had to work waiting tables and I worked with this guy named Ruben and, um, you know, Ruben was a great guy. We had a lot of fun working together and we built up a relationship and, um, you know, got to the point where he was very real with me about his life. And it soon turned out, you know, that I discovered that Ruben liked to, liked to have sex with lots of different girls. 
And this is just how he operated. And one night he called and asked if he could come over to the house because he wanted to talk to me about something. And it turns out that Reuben had acquired a venereal disease. And he didn't know what to do. I don't think he had insurance at the time. And he, I think he knew that my wife, Kim, was a medical professional. So maybe I could ask her and talk to him and, you know, figure out something. Um, and in the process of that, I got the chance to share the gospel with him. And, 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 and God's desire for sinners to be made right with him. And one of the implications of that being a right sexual relationship with one woman in marriage. And how when we have sex in God's right boundaries, it's a blessing. It's an amazing blessing. But when we deviate from those boundaries, it gets really bad in a hurry. And so we talked about spiritual reality. Reuben, do you want to become a Christian? Do you want to repent of your sin? And, and he just said, I'll never forget. It's like, no, I, I don't. I understand what that means. But I like the way I live. And I understand if I become a Christian, I'm going to have to make some changes. And I don't want to do that right now. See, to Reuben... The dark was the light. He, was, he understood that the light was there and what it meant, but he just wanted to stay in his dark because that's, that's what he desired. And so this kind of thing marks the main difference between believers and unbelievers. It resides on the level of your desires. What do you love? Do you love the dark? Do you love Jesus? Do you love your sin and just want to stay and sit in it? Or do you love Jesus? Now, for certain, as believers, we continue to sin. The issue here is not perfection. The issue is desire. At the end of the day, believers sin, but they hate it. And they want to deal with it. And they take it to Jesus as the perfect substitute, the, the wrath-bearing substitute on our behalf. They take it to Jesus. That's the difference. We all sin, believers, unbelievers. But what's our attitude about the sin? Am I embracing my sin or am I fighting my sin? Are you more like a vampire or a houseplant? Okay, weird categories, right? <laughs> but a vampire hates the light, right? You can't, you can't go out in the light. The sun's coming up. The vampire's like, eh, I got to get out. I got to find the coffin, right? Or I'm, I'm done. Like the Wicked Witch of the West just melting into the floor, right? Everybody with me on the Wicked Witch of the West? Anyone over 30, Right? Are you more like a vampire or are you more like a houseplant? What's a houseplant do? It bends and it yearns and it leans toward the light. It's just intuitive in its nature. It can't do anything other than that. It's very life depends on that light. So as a church, as a gathered assembly of people who love Jesus, we love that light, right? Can I get an amen? We love that light, right? Come on. We are children of the light. We love the light and we live in light of the light, right? Well, on paper we do. But, but I fear this morning that there's a grand disconnect between what we say and the amen we just gave that I goaded you into and how we actually live. And I want to confront that disconnect this morning. And I want to call us out to together confront that disconnect. Because there's much at stake for you spiritually on your own and for as we come together as a church. Um, the disconnect is this. We say we're Christians, but all too often we live in such a way that we look more like those in this text 
that Jesus says love the dark. We say we love the light, but we look like if someone were to observe us and how we actually live, that we love the dark. So here's what I mean by that. What I see in our church, I see a lot of hiding. Lots, lots and lots of hiding. And I see sin in our lives that just lives in the dark. I see people putting on false faces of happiness when there's just complete chaos swirling underneath. I see happy-faced marriages. Everyone would say, man, those guys are just doing great. And it's a complete mess at home and nobody knows. And I see, I see men and women addicted to pornography and nobody knows. I see, I see men speaking harshly to their wives habitually over and over again. And this woman is just crushed. She doesn't know what to do or where to go and nobody knows. And, and I see children being, being abused by parents and nobody knows. And we, the list goes on and on and on, right? We've all got junk. But some of you may be thinking right now as I'm listening off this stuff, well, what's the big deal? I mean, come on. We're all sinners, right? And, and am I supposed to just air my dirty laundry all over the place? You know, are, am I, are we going to go around in a circle and just all confess our sins together, right? I mean, don't I deserve some privacy, right? Now, now be at ease this morning. This morning and, and any other morning, we're not going to set up a microphone up front and have everybody get in a line and, can, and just spew all their junk. That's not going to happen. It wouldn't be productive and it wouldn't be probably helpful. But quite frankly, hear this. You don't deserve your privacy, not in the way you typically think of it. And I'm not talking about big government infringement here. I'm talking about biblical spirituality as God calls us to in his, in his word. And there's a huge difference. What some of you think of as your privacy may subtly be killing you spiritually and has a, has a, a detrimental effect to how we interact together at this church if that just continues to be a pattern that we all do together. So I want to push against our American individualistic, autonomous, just me and Jesus notions that we all kind of live in. We, we swim in that water. And I think we got to get out of the pool. Okay? Um, some of us have, have things that we've been hiding for years. And God knows about it. And you know about it. But nobody else does. So again, why bring that stuff out into the light? What, what's the deal with that? Here's the reason, because God's word clearly says that unless you do, there's no hope of healing. What is it, though, about confession to another person, another human being, having words come out of your mouth that brings healing? What is it about that? Well, it's just simply this. The Bible assumes that we need each other to deal with our sin. Okay? Open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3. I want to look at this. It's crystal clear. Hebrews chapter 3, toward the end of the New Testament, if you hit Revelation, you're too far. Hebrews 3, verses 12 and 13. It says this. It says, take care, brothers. Notice plural. Brothers, together, together. Lest there be in any of you an evil, 
unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day. Exhort one another. That's a, one, that's a big one another, okay? That assumes we're in it together, right? Exhort one another every day. That's habitual. That's persistence. That's intentionality. Exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today. Why? So that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So sin is real and it wants to harden us. And if we don't have each other to encourage us, like this text says, we can die spiritually. There can be a hardening that comes into our life. And that's real. That's not just Hebrews talk. Okay? God never intended you or me to deal with our sin just between, just me and Jesus. It's just me and Jesus thing. Okay? We're called to do it together. We're called to deal with sin together so that we can encourage one another and exhort one another. But we can't do those things unless it's confessed. I can't exhort you, encourage you. You can't do the same thing to me if you don't know what I'm dealing with. And I don't know what you're dealing with. So how are we supposed to fight the temptation to spiritual hardness when we just live in shrouded secrecy? I'll tell you about my friend Mike. My friend Mike uh, was a buddy of mine when I lived in, in Iowa City. And we did a lot of music stuff together. His real name's not Mike. But... Um, we went out to lunch, as I would do with a lot of the guys that I led, and just hanging out and check in on just how you doing, what's going on in your life, and just, you know, asking him, are you looking at junk on the internet that you shouldn't be looking at? And he said, no, 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 no. So, cool. And um, go on, talk about some other things, and five minutes later, he just puts his head down and starts crying. And I'm like, Mike, what's up, man? And he says, well, first of all, I just lied to you. And I've been looking at porn on the internet every single day for 12 years. And that's, that's a big, big deal. I mean, he's got images emblazoned and etched in his mind that he may never get rid of. But you know what happened? Is that right then in that moment, it broke because he spoke it. It broke. He brought it out into the light. Bringing it into the light was the mechanism by which this horrific pattern of sin was broken. Not perfection, but it was broken. He was different. He told me and a few other trusted friends. Again, it's not the mic down front. It's me and a few other trusted friends. But it broke because it's out in the light. Nothing changed in his life until it actually came out of his mouth to another person. But here's the big thing that we battle in this process, and, and the text shows us this. It's that fear. Fear that their deeds are going to be exposed. That's why the dark doesn't want to come out into the light. That's why people who love the dark hate Jesus, because those deeds are going to get exposed. But, but we do the same thing. We embrace that fear. And I want to call us away from that fear this morning. But, but to call us away from it, we got to know why it's there. And there's a ton of reasons that exceed the length of time I've been given, but I'll give you three that I think are real big. We don't embrace confession at Desert Springs or in a lot of other churches around the nation, the world, because we assume we're the only ones. 
we assume we're the only ones dealing with the junk, right? And a lot of times in churches, that comes in the form of the pastors are super holy, the leaders up front, they've got it all together and they have no idea how messed up I am. But they, there's no way those guys could be dealing with the stuff I'm dealing with, right? And I just want to pop that balloon of super spiritual assumption this morning because it doesn't exist, okay? Um, you may look at Ryan or Tim Bradley or Ron or whatever and think, you know, I know these guys, they're not perfect and they know me and they know I'm not perfect. And I'll, I'll give you some, some, of, my, some of my junk. Um, we've been going through a real stressful time in my life right now. I mean, I, I feel kind of like frayed at the edges like I haven't probably ever felt. Um, just in the last week, you know, we're trying to do this transition to Madison and planning this church. And that implies raising a ton of money. Like I look at this number and I go, There's, this is crazy. And we got to find a place to live up there. We got to sell our house in a challenging market. Our van just broke down. And, you know, Kim and I are just feeling the weight of this deal. And we're at each other a little bit. Not a little bit, a lot in the last few days. And our kids are bouncing off the walls and we're frustrated with them. And, and there's been times when I've been harsh with my wife in the way that I've spoken to her. And I've been harsh with my kids in the way that I've spoken to them. And I need to just go to the, and I have gone to them and say, especially to uh, Taylor the other day when he's just flipping out and I'm frustrated and, you know, I, I, he needed to be disciplined, but not in the way that I spoke to him. And, I, and before bed, you know, I said, daddy's a sinner too. Daddy disciplined you in a way that wasn't appropriate. Will you forgive me? Daddy needs Jesus too, you know. So I'm not super spiritual, okay. I deal with the same stuff you do. Everybody does. Okay, one form or another. We're not all the same, but we're all messed up. We are all a mess. So we need to do a better job of embracing the mess. Because without the acknowledgement of the mess, we have no need for the gospel. So as leaders at Desert Springs, we're going to do a better job of that in the future, of helping you guys understand that we all need the gospel. We're all a mess. Um, Here's the truth. You're a sinner and so am I. And we're acknowledging that this morning, okay? So what we do as a church is we link arms and we go to the cross together. That is what makes church, church. That's what will make the Christian community the most significant power for life change in your life that there is. So just get over yourself and do it. Believe the gospel enough. And do it. Unless we go to the cross together, acknowledging our need, we cut the heart out of what it means to be the real church of Jesus Christ. We're just going to be a community of pretenders. And we'll probably end up just for, forsaking the gospel and forgetting about it. We have to start with something to confess. Um, so just believe this morning. You're not the only one. Get over your fears. We're all in this together. Okay? You sat down with me over coffee. I could give you an hour's long worth of more junk. We're in it together. Secondly, why do we fear confession? Why do we fear coming into the light? Well, we, re we fear because we assume there's going to be rejection or condemnation. So if this is the case and you actually get a response of rejection and condemnation, 
But that person you confess to that's doing the rejecting or condemning has a serious gospel problem and may not even understand the gospel at all. But this Desert Springs has to be a community where there's complete freedom to bring our junk out into the light. If there's not that freedom, then we don't understand the gospel. The gospel assumes that we're sinners, right? That's tenet number one. You're a sinner in need of a savior. Jesus is the answer. Okay, that's how, if you're a Christian this morning, that's how you became a Christian, by acknowledging that you're a sinner. So absolutely, in the process of being a Christian, we come become more holy and we become better in obedience, but we never arrive in this life. We never cease our need to repent in this life. So why then is it a big shocker that you'll need to confess your sins? You know, you've had, you had to confess your sins to Jesus day one and, and on. So why not be free to confess to one another? What do you have to hide? And if this is the case in your life, then you can't be shocked or tempted to condemnation when someone comes and confesses their sins to you, right? We get those things going in tandem and the church works beautifully. So we're all a community of broken people. We don't reject or condemn when someone humbly repents. And so don't fear when you bring your junk out into the light. If your fears of rejection and condemnation are consistently realized, when you confess your sins to another person, then you're in the wrong church. But DSC is not going to be that church. We will be a community that believes that Jesus' life and death is sufficient to cover our sin. So we will live in that freedom and we will extend that freedom to one another. Thirdly, practically speaking, why do we fear? Well, I think sometimes it's just, just straight up, we don't believe the gospel. We don't believe down in our core, in our gut, that Jesus' sacrifice was acceptable to God on our behalf. And because of Jesus' work, that God would actually forgive me when I confess my sin. And if God doesn't forgive me, and I don't believe God's forgiven me, then there's probably no chance that I'm going to confess to you and believe that you're going to accept me and not reject me and forgive me. So I just want to read you God's word this morning. And if you don't believe me, just, read, just believe God's word. For those of you having a hard time owning the gospel, believing the gospel, this is what God's word says in 1 John. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all. That's a big all. Because our sin runs deep. And he says, all unrighteousness. So I want to plead with you this morning to believe God's word. So how do we fight these lies? These lies that we believe of, of assuming we're the only ones and, and, and thinking people are going to reject us and condemn us and just failing to believe the gospel. How do we fight these temptations? Well, we fight together, okay? Our culture and the water we swim in says just the American dream, I did it myself. I, I, I. And the Bible says, uh-uh. It says we. Hebrews chapter 3 says, encourage one another. That's us daily. So that you may not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So we do this together. We fight together. A great way to do that is get in a community group. 
Okay, structure your life in such a way that you're not the suburbanite that drives the car into the garage, closes the garage door behind you, and no one in your neighborhood ever sees you. I have people like that in my neighborhood. I'm tempted to it too. You know, I live there too. There's people in my neighborhood I've never seen once. I know, there, I know somebody lives in this house, but I've never seen them. And that's how we can be as a church. That's, that's the water we swim in, so it's time to get out of the pool, Right? Structure your life with a community group to, to, to do life together. Do the one another's of the New Testament together. Be honest about your struggles, your sin issues, your doubts, your fears. Now, community group doesn't solve everything. You can show up to your community group and just pretend, you know, and put on your happy face, happy marriage, whatever, and there's just crap swirling under the surface still. But hopefully in time, there's, there's an environment of safety an environment where the gospel takes root, where there's freedom, and we understand who we are and live in light of that. So get in a community group. Don't structure your life for isolation. The Bible calls you out of it. And if you do, you're just being disobedient. And you're not going to receive the blessing. God promises blessings for us. Who wants to be hardened by sin? You want to be hardened by sin? That's not, there's no blessing in that. God says, encourage one another daily. We do that. And we live. We have blessing. So here's the challenge. In light of the gospel, um, some of you need to go home tonight and confess to your spouse that you've been habitually looking at porn. And your spouse is going to be very hurt, but they're going to fight to believe the gospel. And it's going to be messy. It's not going to be easy. But what's the alternative? Just continue with the me and Jesus stuff and I'm just gonna stuff it myself and try to deal with it all by myself. Knowing it's gonna come out in negative ways somehow and sometime, it's gonna come out. It's just a matter of how. And I'm saying, do it the right way. Do it God's way. Confess in light of the gospel and, and it's not gonna be easy, but it's gonna be good in the end, ultimately. The other way, you don't wanna go there. You can't deal with it by yourself. It's going to rot your soul and potentially stunt the growth of this church. In light of the gospel, some of you need to go home today and confess to your kids that you've not disciplined them in a God-centered, in a gospel, God-centered way. And you've either been way too harsh and strict and tempted toward legalism with your kids and not dealt with heart issues, or you haven't believed the Proverbs that says, if you don't discipline your kids, you just hate them. And you've been way too lazy and lenient. And you need to go home and have the humbling, life-altering words spoken to your kids, will you forgive me? If a parent says that to their kid, I promise they're going to have a picture for the gospel that will mark them probably for the rest of their life. So you need to go home and just repent to your kids and mark them with the gospel when you say, will you forgive me? Daddy needs Jesus too. Some of you have deep patterns of anger that run through the fabric of your extended family because of hurts that have taken place over decades. And you've contributed to some of those. And, and you need to speak words of healing and forgiveness in light of the gospel. And some of your marriages are a complete mess and nobody knows about it. And if, and if I were to sit here and ask, you know, who's, whose marriages are doing great? Your marriage might be top of the list, but actually underneath... It's complete chaos. 
and nobody knows. And you need to speak that. And you need to deal with that in a real way. So here's ultimately why this whole confession thing is a huge deal. Because God loves to get glory through the gospel. And when we confess our sins, it, sh- it puts flesh on, it shows, it's evidence, it testifies to the fact that we believe the gospel. I believe the fact that I've been adopted into God's family. He's my father. I've been justified. I'm in the process of being sanctified. My name's written in the Lamb's book of life. These things are true about me. And in light of these things that Jesus has accomplished for me through his death and resurrection, I can live a life of confession because I'm secure. Jesus has got me. He owns me. My name is graven on his hands like we sing. So I can be free to confess my sins. And if we do that together, collectively as a church, we shine a huge light of glory on the gospel. And Jesus loves that. He loves to make his gospel look good. And if we don't embrace confession as a church, we may not look, make the gospel look very good and Jesus will not be pleased with us as a church. So let's be people of the light. John chapter three. Let's not say we're light people, but really we live as dark people. As sinners coming into the light just assumes confession, right? So don't shrink back from it. Don't rob God of the glory he deserves by stuffing your sin. Bring it into the light. Speak it with other believers and watch how the gospel will shine so brightly for his glory and our blessing. It's the only real path to true healing and you gotta believe that. It's not gonna be easy. No one assumes, the cross is not easy, okay? We're Christians, we follow a murdered, crucified savior. It's not easy. It's not gonna be nice and neat. But the alternative is just horrific, profound spiritual weakness. We have no other alternative and ultimately embracing confession is gonna bring huge blessing for a community that embraces the gospel. So bring your junk into the light. It's something that God loves. And so when we do it, we can say, yeah, I'm a messed up sinner, but Jesus died for messed up sinners. Okay, amen. Let's pray together. Father, we need your help to do this and to believe these truths. So help us now. May we not have stunted growth as a church because we hide our sin from one another. May we believe Hebrews 3 that we have to do the one another's together. We have to fight sin together and that hiding brings no blessing. God, I pray that you would um, just emblazon these words on our minds and that, that, that we would see in tangible ways the fruit of coming into the light at Desert Springs for years and decades to come. May it be so. Help us do it. May we believe the gospel enough to actually do it. We pray for your help, God. We need your help. We're weak. We cast ourselves on your mercy. We need your help. In Jesus' name, amen.